Hello and welcome to the Meaningfulistic Podcast. I am your host, Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm asking questions about what matters to who and why in the deepest, most personal sense. This is an exploration to find deep meaning at the intersection of the secular and the sacred, the artistic and the scientific. I'll interview ordinary people who find creative, unique, and profound ways to live a holistically healthy life. And today I get to have a conversation with one of the contributors to morethanentertained.com. It is a Catholic ministry website, but it has an interesting take. It has a lot of similar uh, overlapping themes of what the Meaningfulistic podcast is all about. I am interviewing or talking with Brendan Gariks, who graduated from Troy University, where he converted to Catholicism in 2018. He served as a focus ministry at LSU for three years before becoming one of the campus ministers. He has always been fascinated by the way he is moved by a good story and intrigued by the longing it stirs within him. One of his favorite hobbies is to reflect on how the entertainment industry points him to the divine. And you are a perfect guest. Welcome to the Mini Felicity Podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. All right, great. So a little backstory, how I came across your website. I was checking my church website for information uh, regarding one of the various ministries that I'm involved in. And I saw a link that I, I had to do a double take because I wasn't sure what I was reading. I was I, I have a two-year-old and we watch cars, uh, Pixar cars a lot. And I thought I saw something <laughs> that was, that was just a, a, a faint image of something. And it said on my Catholic, uh, on my, uh, church website, it said Lightning McQueen. And I said, Lightning McQueen, no, wait, 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 <laughs> Lightning McQueen. And so it was actually a link to your website and, uh, to your article, what you can learn from freedom, right? Yeah. Yeah, Lightning McQueen and what to do with your freedom, or something pretty close to that. Yes, and it was it was actually uh, I guess a, a, a separate link that was coming through Catholic Link. Does your website have like a affiliation with them? We partner with them so to get our website more exposure. So they post our article, one of our articles, once a month, and hopes to. And actually, here it is working out that you got to see our article because of the Catholic Link yes. sharing it as well. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it was, it was great. So Lightning McQueen, what to do with freedom. And I just started going through it and, and I said, oh, wow, he's doing what I do. He watches a movie and then he starts analyzing it on a deeper level, way farther than a Pixar movie should probably be analyzed. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. If I, I just want to jump right to the article. Um, you, you mentioned like the pivotal scene in the movie. And, and I mean, I don't like it when people say uh, a spoiler alert, because I mean, one, they're old movies. And two, uh, you're watching something. <laughs> and if it's a good movie, you'll you'll want to watch it anyways, regardless of if someone mm -hmm. tells you, right. Um, so this is an old movie, but <clears throat> you're watching it and this pivotal scene where he gets filled up with gas. Sally, the, the female car who's shown a liking to him, is, is willing to bet that he's not going to run off at the very first opportunity because she's betting that there's a little more to him. She probably sees more to him than maybe the other people see. And she was the first one to take a bet on filling up his gas tank. 
and he looks out and he, there's this moment where he does a, a, a pauses because he sees the freedom of running back to his old life, running back to what he knows is, is his comfort zone. And, and he sees, and you think he has that hesitation of, there's something special here with these people in this town, right? And, and mm -hmm. how, would you, how, how did it strike you at that moment? Well, at that moment, it struck me because he did have that opportunity to go back to his old life. And I think a lot of the times what the world would say or, or just how we are encouraged to be successful is to go make a lot of money, to go be famous, to, you know, wealth, power, pleasure, honor, all these things that we're uh, encouraged to pursue. And that's what he had. And that's what he had the opportunity to go back to when he had the full tank of gas and no boot on his tire. But he had gotten a taste, like you just mentioned, of kind of the something different with, with those people in Radiator Springs, the kind of the silence or the stillness or the slowness with which they live their lives. And I think that taste was just enough. Once he realized what, what could happen, uh, he, he thought maybe maybe it can be even better than anything that I've ever experienced before. And I, and I just have experienced that too, kind of going after a lot of what... Um, you know, most of the culture would tell me would fulfill me and make me happy. And it didn't leave me that way. And then once I tried the Jesus thing, to be honest, is, uh, it, it gave me the abundant life I was looking for. And I felt like it was kind of like a, his moment to choose. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't want to go too deep into your, tra uh, conversion story. I, I, I although I want to, I'm not going to jump after that right now. Uh, like, so, one thing that you mentioned, oh, well, I, I didn't re I didn't think about it until later, but you also mentioned the second time when uh, he was actually finished paving, right? So he's, he was told that as kind of like a community service that he had to finish this road to finish paving it. And at the end, he was finished paving it and he had the opportunity to run away. And again, he stopped. He didn't even think about it. That I don't, they didn't show him, you know, contemplating it because at that time he had already became friends with everyone. And I like what you said in your article <clears throat> because at that point he had already made a commitment to the to everyone there, and and mm. that commitment to the people, people, their cars, <laughs> but his commitment, his commitment to his friendships uh, was already greater than 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 what he felt uh, that it was important to him. He had already had that conversion of heart that these people mattered to him and, and he and again he decided to stay instead of run off um mm -hmm. and that was that other uh another second step i guess of of showing that he was um already on a different level of his, his value his meaning values right. had changed like you're saying right um, well and it makes me think too so now how i would think about it because i was just talking about this earlier today we were talking about the definition of virtue being the habitual disposition disposition toward the good, and so how you pointed out that he, we don't really see him kind of questioning or trying to decide what to do. He just does it. It probably indicates a growth in virtue that now his disposition is just more oriented toward the good. That he just does it more naturally, and he doesn't need to kind of interiorly wrestle with with what to do because he just knows. Yeah, he's building up those virtues of uh, was it temperance, right? He's 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 limiting himself. Um, mm -hmm. What was it? So what caught me again? This is a Pixar movie, <laughs> and you and you quoted the cat the the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and and you're talking about freedom in 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 a spiritual sense that it comes with 
responsibility and obligation to others and to God. And so I'll just read this this line of yours from, so the, the Catechism of the Catholic Church defines freedom as the power rooted in reason and will to act or not to act, to do this or that, and so to perform deliberate actions on one's own responsibility. Um, I think that was the, the, the responsibility coming with freedom is a lot of things that as, as you mentioned in this world that people think freedom is the freedom to what sin but more importantly the well, freedom or to do whatever to, i want whatever feels best yeah, yeah and you think that um that responsibility is, is is still a lot of times it's more to themselves and i think now an example of a car being friends with other cars it's not a responsibility so much to yourself as to everyone around you of to do the mm -hmm. right choices. And, and like you mentioned at the end of the article, he's talking about, you, you say, uh, you know, he was able to help, uh, the, the, the King car cross the finish line. Mm -hmm. Um, cause he was, he had gotten in a wreck and, and, and lightning McQueen was at the front of the race. And the only reason why he was at the front of the race was because he had learned how to uh, 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 drift through grass from 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 uh, the fabulous Doc Hudson and uh, yes and and so he learned these skills. What was the other skill? Uh, driving backwards. Driving later. backwards. Yeah, the distance where he got actually turned around and he he you know yeah he was going backwards on the on the on the raceway there and he, he was able to 180 it back and, and and align himself so yeah his friends were contributing to his skills and he used those skills in the end to just to he was winning and he had that opportunity to win and the skills that he learned allowed him to be in the right place at the right time for the right person to show you know what winning is not important as as self-sacrifice and 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 the good for others and and of course the other guy with chick hicks drives through and he's all excited because he won and he's like he's just totally self-absorbed and he completely missed the whole point of what happened behind him that was just so revolutionary so yeah right. that was, and the creators of the of the movie do a good job of depicting kind of what the consequences of that selfish attitude ought to be no one's celebrating with him at the end yeah. once he wins the race yeah, and they were booing him, you know, they were booing mm -hmm. him because they're like, you, you don't get it, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the things that I, I learned or that I heard, again, I have a two-year-old son, so I've probably seen it a hundred times. And I caught up <laughs> in the beginning um, when he first wins, uh, he was, the whole problem was he was trying to win without a, a pit crew, without anyone's help. He was trying to win without tires. And what happens when you're going solo on your own, you think you're making all the best decisions, right? Uh, there's a way that is right to a man, but that, you know, it leads to failure, disaster. And uh, he, he ended up losing those wheels, those tires. And he, he, when they asked him later, he's like, what made you, what made you not want to get tires? He said, you know, winning is, is uh, there's more, there's a lot more to racing than just winning. And he was saying that in a way like, I wanted to win with some flair, pizzazz, like something you've never seen. So he says this line in the beginning. And then uh, he says it again later when he's pushing uh, uh, the king. The king says, you know, you, you fool, don't you know you, uh, you know, you missed out on the Piston Cup. And he says, uh, 
you know, there's a lot more to racing than just winning. And, and that's, that's great. I didn't notice that. <laughs> Thank you for putting that out. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's no notes. That's just me watching it a lot of times. Yeah. yeah but, that's awesome. But the, but yeah, the beauty is there's, there's those nuggets. Like you, you've, you've used it to find nuggets that, that, uh, uh, align with, you know, the Catholic <laughs> catechism of the church. So, um maybe i guess now we can go into how do when did you start doing this or, or is this something you've done naturally it probably was something i started doing naturally i mean certainly before i knew much about what entertainment and books and music and movies and all that would have had to do with god i definitely was in touch with that kind of ache in my chest or whatever you want to call it that get that I get whenever I watch a good movie or, or finish a good book series. I'm like, ah, oh, there's like a painful experience of something. And I don't know what. Um, and then as I came into my faith more and more, uh, I kind of interpret it. I interpret now that painful experience, in my chest, that's something as being God and that kind of, like an invitation, that painful longing that I experience is a longing for God and a longing to be ultimately in heaven. And so then I have this passion and, and was starting to unite it with my faith. And then a couple other of my friends who we met at a kind of mutual summer, you know, Catholic thing, uh, also noticed that we had the same passions. And then the year later, one of the guys was like, Hey, we're all passionate about the same thing. Maybe we do something about it. Maybe we write about it, talk about how we find God in, in secular entertainment, you know, movies and, and music and books and maybe encourage other people too, and, and show them how we do it so that they might also be able to, to recognize truth, goodness, and beauty and elements of the divine in the everyday. And so that's how we started doing it in short. Yeah. And, and, and how did, how did it turn into a, a website with all the, all the material that you have there? Right. Well, so I think me and the other guy who probably were really the core founders of the, the website were a little bit more gifted at writing than other mediums of communication, I suppose. And so we, just decided that a website in sort of a blog format would be the best way to communicate uh, the ways that we were experiencing and encountering um, God and elements of the divine. And, and now we have an Instagram too. And so we try to pump out those Instagram reels they are called. So it's like 30 seconds to a minute and a half videos commenting on, well, whatever, but we use it to comment on the different movies and books and music and all of this. And that is, been an exciting development in the last few months because it allows us to be able to put out more content, more commentary. And, and then I think also people are more likely to engage with that because no one really reads anymore. So even though it only is a five minute read for some of our articles, uh, people are willing to watch a minute long video. And we ha it has been seeming like more people are watching those than are reading our articles. So. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I have. The problem I have also is that uh, a lot of, I guess, a lot of maybe, I guess, religious, even Christian, and then also even more Catholic people are, are adverse to trying social media. There are some that do. There are a lot of great uh, podcast uh, stars and apologetics and ministries, uh, fathers that are, you know, doing rosaries or doing their homilies. Um, or even an actual podcast or a YouTube channel that they're mm -hmm. trying to do the same thing. They're using the, the social media to the best of their abilities because they know that's where people's eyes are, right? Um, and, and there's that, there's the same problem that you have is like, how do you 
make people stop and show them something meaningful that's only 60 seconds long mm-hmm. um there's a lot of that there's a i can i can really relate to that uh trying to make people stop and 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 see kind of like you know lightning mcqueen you know he he's in this town and there's nobody there and there's, there's nothing to do so his, his his distractions have completely been you know stripped away mm-hmm. and all he's left with is himself and his interactions with others um so there's that you know that hard thing to make people stop right and, and then stop and if it's to smell roses i don't i don't yeah. i don't think people smell roses anymore <laughs> but if just to smell just to stop and, and think and say look wait what's right in front of me what's who is who is this person talking to me you mm-hmm. know and mm-hmm. and now that i can't run off i can't avoid them anymore i get an opportunity to grow closer with them mm-hmm. um well and kind of kind of to your point um blaise pascal uh, do you know that name mm-hmm. Yeah, so philosopher from the 17th century in some time, I don't know. But he has this quote 400 years ago where he says, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly alone in a room. And he's saying this 400 years ago. And so I think just to your point, I think one thing that we're trying to do by commenting on entertainment industry where people are already looking is to draw their eyes back to God and to draw them back into the silence, you know, encourage them if they want to, to be entertained and to, and to escape reality for a moment, but so that we can be thrust back into it with a more keen sense of the greatness for which we were made and kind of to reorient ourselves toward what we were made for, which is heaven. Amen. Amen. So I wonder if some of those, some of those easier avenues for people to look at, like the things that you're doing uh, are, are maybe kind of side doors or back doors to religion. Um, I kind of think that now I think that psychology is turning into that back door to religion. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're looking at the way your brain works, the way your mind works, the neurology, what goes, what happens in your brain when you're thinking about God, what happens when you're in your brain, when you're making a connection with a person. And I think a lot of times it's, it's leaning towards that indescribable area that, uh, you know, a psychology can only go so far and that's where religion picks up. I mean, they used to say philosophy is kind of the same way. Um, but I think that, um, I, I, I agree with that quote and I love it. Um, it's a lot of, like I said, a lot of, uh, very similar to the quotes that I post on for the meaningfulistic podcast, because it, it is about turning away from the more superficial things and trying to find things that have more deep meaning and of course, the, there's no deeper meaning, there's no deeper um, fulfillment that you could find than in your relationship with God. Exactly, exactly. Well, and that reminds me of, of another fun quote from St. Augustine. Mm. He, uh, I think this is in his Confessions, that his really famous autobiography, but he says, uh, I asked the seas and the deeps and the crawling things that lived, and they said to me, we are not your God, seek higher than we. And so just this idea that he's encountering created beauty through, you know, the seas and the deeps and the, like just the, the beauty of creation. But then yeah, I like how he kind of is personifying them and, and saying what they're saying to him, which is that there's something greater here than us. You know, there's something greater here. We have a creator and that's what we're trying to point you to. And again, that's what we're trying to do when we comment on art to say this art is meant to evoke something in us. And that's higher than what we can see. Yeah, like you, you mentioned, like at the very beginning, you said, uh, what is it? Uh, truth, beauty, and, and goodness. Uh, 
goodness. Yeah, there, there's there's so many things that people lean on, and they don't realize that uh, kind of like you just don't realize that those are the things that are are I would say timeless, eternal, um, uh, infallible, transcendental. That, <laughs> transcendental. Yes, you can't go you can't go any higher. You can't go any better than that. And and as long as if you have those three elements of of something that you're doing you're you're doing something wonderful you're doing something godly you're doing something Mm -hmm. uh in a loving good and and i think in a a way that we were supposed to do i mean that's kind of what you're saying that is you're 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 tapping into something that's outside of yourself but you're also tapping into the deepest part of who you are Mm -hmm. and what you what you are meant to be what what you're here to do um so Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very. I like that. I like that. Well, and I like too that you're mentioning again. I think those those actually are considered. I don't know who started calling them this, but at some point in the Catholic tradition, the truth, goodness, and beauty being the transcendentals, and and pretty much are described as you just described them. But that's one thing too that I really like about what we do with more than entertained, and, and a little bit too of what it sounds like you do with the meaningfulistic podcast. But uh, Dostoevsky has a quote, and I think in the Idiot, he says, "Beauty will save the world," or one of his characters says that. And so what I've heard a lot is that in today's modern culture, uh, people don't want to listen to what's true because that's like, you're, you can't tell me how to think, you know? Uh, and then people don't care so much about goodness because, well, don't tell me how to live. I, I want to live however I want. But when we, when we present them with beauty, we're not really telling them anything in particular. All we're saying is just look or just listen or just be still. And then from there, maybe their hearts are cracked open from this kind of exposure to beauty and the dialogue is more open there. their hearts are softened, their minds are softened to whatever it is that might be next. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that is the thing that, like I said, like a back door to religion. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not good at being like an evangelist. Uh, if somebody is saying a certain thing about God, I might correct them. If I, if it's blatant, if it's, oh, well, I'm sorry you feel that way about God. Um, mm-hmm. But as but as far as being able to uh, evangelize in a way that changes their minds, it's, it's it's hard unless you have that little bait, and 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 sometimes it's hard to find that bait of of what it is that they really like, and mm-hmm. what it is that they're really talking about. Because, um, I guess I'll I'll use a Fulton Sheen quote: "Is a uh, you know there's there's a hundred people that can say that there's that they hate the Catholic Church, but not a single one of them know what it is, something along those lines." Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like there, you're, you're always. If you say you hate God, well, you already have an image of God in your mind. You already have a pre- preconception, and you're saying you hate religion. You already have a preconception of religion as a bad thing. And and if it is a bad thing, then then if it's truly bad, then I don't like that idea either. It's not a good idea mm-hmm. of God. <laughs> it's not a good idea of religion to to if it's. If it's uh, hypocritical, if it's uh, pompous, if it's fake, if it's uh, restrictive and punitive, mm-hmm. right? That's that, that's people's ideas of why they don't like religion and why they don't like God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, right. and I like to lean on those those things that you talk about that are that are eternal, transcendental, beautiful, and uh, it's hard to find those things that people like, especially like we're we're saying with the with the rapid pace of, of social media and, and how that's becoming it is. superficial. They're, they're, they're indoctrinating themselves with that superficial mentality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. which is why it's so important for us to point out since they're already looking there we might as well point out where god is where they're already looking yeah yes yeah exactly yeah it's like look a little harder and you're seeing stuff you're seeing you're seeing what you're seeing is good and you like it for a reason it resonates exactly resonates with you um Mm -hmm. i don't know i didn't get to see i didn't get to see all the other articles that you wrote but um is there anyone that jumps out at you well one actually that i'm thinking of and because i when I listened to one of your episodes, you mentioned that you like Disney movies in particular, and yeah. we've been talking about uh, you know Disney Pixar. So a movie I watched about a month ago was Ratatouille. Have you seen that one recently? Yes, I believe yesterday <laughs> or the day before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, right. So what'd you what'd you pick up on and from Ratatouille? Well, there are a few things, but one. So I actually just made recorded a little one of our minute videos for this a um, couple of days ago, but. There's a scene, as it turns out at the very beginning, I was going to go back and look through the whole movie to find it, but it was in the first few minutes, so it worked out well. But Gusto, so the chef character who kind of is in, in Remy's like conscience or whatever, he's on TV, though, at the beginning in, in the old lady's house where Remy is, and he's he's saying in this commercial that he's on, um, food, good food is like music you can taste, uh, sound you can smell. There's excellence all around us. If only we would take a moment to savor it. And I just, I feel, I really think that was like the mission of more than entertain. Like I couldn't have said it better. And it sounds like too, that's what you're trying to do is like, take a moment yeah. and let's savor the excellence that's already all around us. And I love how he just kind of talks about food as this thing that can, can draw us up and out of ourselves. Yeah, I didn't, I heard it and, and I thought it was kind of funny because it was kind of like one of those things that you, 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 you imagine people on shrooms or something and I'm like, yes, I could, I could smell the colors and <laughs> Yeah, I could taste words, but but what he's talking about is something transcendental, and it's mm-hmm. and, and it is food, and that's kind of the, what the 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 you know Lemmy's little spiel is. You know, you gotta you gotta wait, savor it for a minute. That's a t-shirt, man. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just you can't. There's these nuggets like what I was talking about was Luca, and then I saw that your uh, uh, more than entertained has a. a article on kung fu panda uh, <laughs> and i have notes on my theories of kung fu panda one two and three um okay let's i want to talk about that a little bit so my theory this is just me a lot of the disney pixars that are coming out or even i guess it's all disney now because they have you know that kind of money but yeah. but it's it's uh there are a lot about identification knowing who you are learning who you are and it's okay to be who you are um so we talk about maybe even a a, an identity shift like uh lightning mcqueen or ratatouille who's basically also digging deeper into his personal uh i guess uh, purpose in life and Mm -hmm. um who gets and then you have kung fu panda who is struggling with who he is because he's a panda and he's adopted and he's you know given this accolade accolade of of dragon warrior and and he has to come to grips with what that means you know that impressed upon him and how do you perform once you've already been given that title um how do you become that title so uh, and with luca it was you know it was kind of more based on prejudice. It was these, you know, he's a, you've seen Luca. Yes. 
I actually have not seen Luca. Okay. <laughs> so not seen Luca. Again, that's one of those that I could sit for hours and and <laughs> give just random postulations yeah. on the depth of, of of this movie because it's he's he's prejudiced. He's going facing the kind of prejudice or xenophobia that people have against things that are different, and mm. and you know him and his friend basically have to come to grip with the world as you know we're different and people are going to try to kill us because they don't know that we're hiding the secret of being uh, sea monsters and and they have to i guess they live with that risk and they also come to grips with that risk of saying that you know who we are is who we are you can't change it and we either stay secluded or we uh, venture out. And I think some of these movies are a lot about that character arc of mm -hmm. uh, instead of trying to be like, you know, when I was a kid, uh, um, you know, instead of trying to be the hero that defeats the dragon, a lot of these dragons or, or, or hurdles, obstacles, uh, ordeals, uh, they're all internal at this point. They're all mm -hmm. internal ordeals. Um, so yeah, I could kind of go down that uh, down that uh, rabbit hole very quickly with a lot of the, uh, like I said, the the movies that are made for children are a lot easier to take. The like the moral, like like a fable, any little nursery rhyme that is supposed to have a fable. It has a very simple, palatable, you know, one spoonful. Oh, that's what you get about it. You know, that's what you understand. Mm -hmm. But I think the deeper levels are the ones that, that you see and the ones that I see that are, you know, there's theology in there. There's philosophy in there. There's psychology in there. And this is just a, a kid's movie. And the kids, I don't think kids, I don't think kids are going to get it. And I don't think parents have the minute to the moment to stop and say, wait that that's pretty deep <laughs> a chef ghost just dropped some deep philosophy <laughs> right and that's probably just talented storytelling too that storytellers can write a movie that four-year-olds will enjoy and that 10-year-olds will enjoy and that you know mid-20s and whatever however old you are mid-30s maybe is my guess hopefully that's not offensive uh, and so just the idea that a story, a good storyteller can engage all audiences in one sense, I would suspect. Yeah. If I, I, I was never, I've never sat there and maybe extracted uh, lines that actually could uh, be uh, paralleled with some catechism quotes. So I give you extra kudos for that. <laughs> um, maybe did you, could you go back into a little bit about uh, more about the trend, the, history of the website uh more than entertained mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think we actually just hit two years of being published and having our website but i think some history too behind it is my friend who kind of co-founded it with me he wrote the first article that we had on our website and it was on the dark knight rises have you seen that one yes okay so he watched that movie before he kind of was very into his faith and he left that movie though with that kind of burning or that aching or that painful longing in his chest, whatever we want to call it. But he didn't really know what to make of it. He just kind of went on with his life as the story goes. But then a couple years later, once he started to come to know 
God a little bit more and kind of understand his his relationship with God and, and what his Catholic faith had to offer him. He watched the movie again, and then his his eyes were kind of open to recognize the burning that was going on in, the, in his heart as an encounter with glimpses of God, with seeds of the word, or whatever you want to call it, truth, good and truth, goodness, and beauty. And we get kind of that language that we're talking about, the, that our hearts not burn within us, and their eyes were open, and they recognized him from a story in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, where Jesus has resurrected, and these two disciples are walking away from Jerusalem because they think that you know Jesus is is dead. And Jesus is walking along with them. They don't know he's Jesus, but then he starts opening the scriptures to him. Eventually, their eyes are open in the breaking of the bread. But then when they're talking about the conversation with Jesus, who they didn't know was Jesus, after he leaves, they say to themselves, did our hearts not burn within us when he was breaking open the scriptures to us? And so that's kind of our MO is that, you know, if your heart's burning within you from a good movie or, or a book or, or a play or a sports moment, really anything, food, you know, you have a fun experience with food. If we're still talking about gusto and you have that burning in your heart, it has something to do with God being present there. And going back to the catechism, uh, the first paragraph of the catechism of the, of the Catholic church says, um, at every time and in every place, God draws near to man. And so that's this idea that God is present everywhere, not just at whatever church you go to on Sunday, but he's speaking to you in all these different ways. If only we would slow down and listen. Yeah. So you both have felt that and, and you felt it. I mean, I get like butterflies. I mean, I get butterflies now, <laughs> but I get, uh, uh, I get butterflies and sometimes goosebumps. Um, when I hear something and I know it resonates or, or something clicks and like you said, um, I, once you finally, like, you could read the scriptures over and over, and then just, there's just that one time on that one day when it sinks in, and I get goosebumps. And and like you said, that is, you know, the Holy Spirit moving within me kind mm-hmm. of way that that is God reaching out, meeting me in a way that I, at least I can't, if I can't describe it, at least I can feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's beautiful that you have that, uh, that feeling, um, and you're able to describe it. I just... I think when I feel it, I don't know what to do. And I mean, at least you guys have, 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 have taken that step of, of let's articulate this or let's dis- discuss this. Um, right. So, so it sounds like your friend has, has been, has he, has he been pivotal in your uh, faith journey? Yeah, it's funny that you asked that. He, he has. Whenever we met at that summer program I mentioned earlier on, we actually were not that close. There was probably 80 of us and we just didn't get that close. But then we kind of, connected a little bit more over this kind of shared passion that we're talking about right now. And just through that, he basically became one of my best friends. And C.S. Lewis has some quote about finding that friend that just kind of gets your heart in a way that no one else really does. And I just did it a very, not justice at all there, that quote. But whenever I read that quote, probably in the last six, eight months, I immediately thought of my friend, Nick, and just the ways that we kind of share this passion. And, And through sharing this passion, uh, it makes me a better man. It makes me a better man. And and I like to, what you said earlier and what I just said made me remember that I liked what you said earlier about when you get that feeling, you don't know what to do with it sometimes. And that's also something that we're like really big on is that there is in fact something to do with it. It's going to look different for everyone given our different experiences and circumstances and, and what's going on in our life. But the idea that every encounter with beauty it calls us to something, moves us to something. And that this is a fun fact that I learned a couple years ago. And so I'm big on this too, is that 
the Greek word that we get beauty from is kalen, which is K-A-L-E-N, which means to call or to beckon. And so an encounter with beauty calls us and beckons us to something. But again, that's going to look different depending on our circumstance in life. You know, some people might see a beautiful sunset and think, oh, I need to propose to this woman. And someone else might think, oh, I need to be a priest. You know, but either way, there was a, a response kind of evoked in the person from the encounter with beauty. Um, and it doesn't have to be that extreme as like kind of like, uh, you know, the rest of your life commitment. But it could be something as small as I need to go kiss my daughter goodnight. And like, that's that's the next right thing. Like an encounter with beauty does call me to something. What's the next right thing is, is kind of what we're trying to encourage people to ask themselves when they get that kind of stirring in their hearts. Yeah. Uh, and, and what do you do? Um, like I said, I, I've, I've take notes. That's the best thing I can do. Uh, I don't know. Uh, sometimes I have it and I'm driving and, 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 it, and I have to pray. I say, if, if this thing that I'm thinking about is so important, and, and it makes sense to me right now. I prayed to God. I said, please, <laughs> I don't have a piece of paper right now. I don't know. I can't write it down. Um, please, you know, uh, open my heart to it. If it's something that you want to be said, open my heart to it so I can, you know, open my mind to it. So it so it hits me again and I'll be able to share that with someone if that's what your will is. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that's why I love the, the, the website. Um, your the, the, the contributors also there. Um, I noticed you have a priest. How did that happen? Yes. That is also kind of a fun story. And we were wanting a priest for a while because coming from the Catholic background and, and viewing priests as a shepherd of a flock, we, we wanted a, a shepherd, so to speak, in some capacity. It didn't really quite matter how he was going to contribute. But how we got connected with him was I had a mutual friend from my college years and I guess she's a big fan of more than entertains. And so she was talking about it at some young adult event she was at and he was there. And so they start talking and he's like, Oh, I'm really interested in this kind of stuff too. Can you connect me with Brennan? And so then she emails me in like September. Uh, so like over a year ago. And then like five months later in March, I finally reached back out to him and I connect to him. And it was actually really perfect timing because he was going to be an hour away in new Orleans and I'm in Baton Rouge. And so we were able to connect in person which was really awesome and, and got to know each other a little bit. And he was like, I don't know how much I can contribute. I'm pretty you know, busy as a priest, but I was like, I don't really care. As long as you're like on the team, I just like having a, a shepherd as a part of the team. Yeah, that's great. And, and I think like one of the reasons why I started this, um, I, I kind of started the podcast with the same mentality is I, I know that there's people that have wonderful things to contribute, wonderful things to say. And, it really started with the idea of interviewing a priest um, because I knew that there's things about them there. People look at a priest and they say, well, he's fake or he's doing a performance. Um, But from the priests that I've gotten to know better through like you, like retreats or, or, or actually getting to know them personally, they are a man. And so there's a, there's one step of looking at them as a, as a performer, as a, uh, you know, you know, their, their feet don't touch the ground type of thing. And then you realize, no, it's a man. And then you say, oh, well, he's just a man. And I think a lot of people kind of see priests and they're like, oh, he's just a man. You know, he knocked, knocked them down to our level, right? They're just sinners just like us. But I think in between floating off the ground and, and, and 
just just looking at him as looking at a priest as one of us there's something more that they do and they do it 24/7 for the rest of their lives a life commitment to God and to others and to serving mm-hmm. that gives them a perspective that we can't possibly even begin to imagine um one of the things that I've heard was like you know a, a priest on any given week can go to a baptism uh, a, a, a funeral, a wedding, uh, you know, and then say mass and then go to confession and then go to a hospital to help somebody or, you know, to pray with somebody. And I mean, they're torn in so many different directions. And I just wanted to be able to talk to a priest in a, in a familiar way in a, in a, you know, Hey, uh, I'm not here to ask you, you know, any, any, uh, uh, theological questions. And I'm not here to ask you about you know, or confess you my sins. I just want to ask you about how are you doing? What are you thinking about? What do you, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm kind of scared to reach out to a priest, but I'm, I'm sure when the time comes, I'll, I'll be able to have a priest on the show, but uh, you have a priest on the yeah. team. So that, I know, that, yeah. did you have any kind of, uh, you were nervous about it there for those? Well, I think I would have been certainly as I was coming into the Catholic tradition and, and having kind of, I think maybe some of that, uh, perception that you were talking about earlier with priests, but I just had a unique opportunity of, of having a lot of them in my life in, in a more in-depth capacity by by the mission work that I was doing and now being a full-time campus minister. And so one of the unique privileges of that has been that I've gotten to see that they're human too. They're human too. And, and, and they are kind of set aside or have an undivided heart, so to speak, so that they can do all those things you were just describing, but they're also just men. And so they're also imperfect and uh, you know, and also a bit like super silly, you know, or whatever, have their unique passions that they like and all of this. Um, when you were saying that, it reminded me of a quote I like. I have no idea where it's from, but it, it, it's a quote about the saints. It, it goes, we love the saints, yes, because we see Jesus in them, but also because we see ourselves in them. And so there's this idea that the saints, like in one sense, seem really set apart. And maybe they are because they lived extraordinary lives for God. But then in the other sense, we're drawn to them because we can see ourselves and, and kind of in th- through their weaknesses and imperfections that they were able to overcome and say, okay, well, maybe I can do that too. Maybe I'm made for greatness too. And I feel like that's kind of what priests can point us to in a sense. Obviously, we're not all called to be celibate for the kingdom of God, but they give us a sign, a visible sign of the idea of making sacrifice for the sake of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And and like you like they're they are on that on that kind of pedestal but at least they have at least someone's there um and you could knock them down if you want but they are leading they are leading by example at least for the rest of us Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so i guess i'll I'll ask now uh you converted in 2018 yep and 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 in four years somehow along the way you you've been exposed to uh saint augustine uh, I don't know about Dostoevsky, but uh, St. Augustine and uh, C.S. Lewis and uh, who else? Uh, Blaise Pascal. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. so where where were you before 2018? Thank, yeah, thank you for asking. I So I, I had grown up with a Christian background, but it, it wasn't much. It was kind of just check the box of going to church on Sunday, basically. And then... Shortly before the 2018 experience of becoming Catholic, I had had, uh, I don't quite know. It depends on what, what faith tradition you come from, how, what you would call it. But I had my like a conversion moment where I had 
this encounter with Jesus. And I was like, from now on, I want him to be the center of my life. And then proceeded to have no idea what the heck that looked like. And so it was kind of fumbling around with with how to kind of break the ba- bad habits I had been living in and to, to kind of come into this walk as a Christian. But uh, met a, a, a Catholic missionary, what the, the, ty- the missionary organization that I began to work for, he was working for when I was in college. And he just kind of had what I was looking for. Uh, and so he started to teach me how to break the old bad, old bad habits, how to pray, how to live as a disciple, generally speaking. Um, but I, I kind of like to summarize it. What maybe drew me in was my, my pursuit of truth. I just like wanted to know what was right. Cause, cause at this point I cared about being with, with Jesus and wherever that was going to bring me. And so I was just really kind of trying to pursue like, where are you Jesus most fully? And all my questions, I had so many questions. Oh my gosh. I had so many misconceptions of, of the Catholic church. Your Fulton Sheen quote from earlier was exactly me. And mm-hmm. So I just kept asking all these questions. Where is that in the Bible? Where is that in the Bible? Well, what about this? Well, I don't, that can't be right. This can't be right. And eventually that brought me in. But then what I like to say is what keeps, what has kept me in the Catholic church or what kept me coming around that community of Catholics at Troy, where I went to college was the beauty, the kind of the way that people were living that I had never seen before. Um, this way that they were set apart and they, they thought differently than other people I had met. They talked differently and they talked about different things, deeper things than I had ever mm-hmm. kind of thought that people who were my age would talk about. And just the more I got exposed to uh, all that the Catholic church had to offer the, the depth and the richness, you know, from coming from 2000 years of some of the most brilliant minds, St. Augustine, you know, in, in well, really all of humanity. Uh, it was, it was hard to, to walk away once I, was exposed to that. And one of my favorite things about being Catholic is the emphasis on beauty and like, you know, church architecture or, um, you know, beautiful music at a mass or something like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what you're saying reminds me, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like really uh, tagging or going into commenting on, on celebrities, but uh, have you, I mean, as Bishop Barron's interview with uh, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he goes into that uh, almost the same way you did. Uh, at least he's talking about, I guess he com- he wasn't, uh, he didn't really convert because he was already baptized and he was, and the church basically acknowledged his baptism. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to receive com- communion after confession. And so what, what struck me though, uh, you saw the interview. Oh, I loved it. With- yeah. Um, what struck me though was that he was looking for truth and it was that he was living with these brothers this in this monastery um living with them breathing with them eating with them praying with them doing following them and then one of his friends was a seminarian who actually was kind of there with him uh have you uh, or or has anyone has been tasked to uh give their uh uh, article or, or uh, contribution on the uh, on the movie of the Padre Pio. Well, so we are waiting for that to come out, and and uh, yeah, if I would imagine so, I would imagine so. We have already commented on that interview. I actually did a little one of our Instagram reels that I was oh. mentioning earlier. I you know did a little minute and a half blurb on what stood out to me the most in that interview. But I thought that was amazing, and and two is awesome because he comes from this inter- entertainment background and kind of this pursuit of art and of beauty and of love. I think he even says that, that all those things were synonymous to him before, you know, he had this experience of right. preparing for the Padre Pio movie. 
And so I think because he is an artist and a storyteller, one of my favorite things about the interview was the way that he made the Catholic faith and tradition so accessible. He put it in the common vernacular, the you know layman's terms. And so someone coming from Hollywood or someone coming from no Christian background at all is going to be able to kind of relate to what he's talking about. Like when he says, you know, I felt like I was being sell a used car, you know, what he's talking about, um, <laughs> or, you know, or just the, the experience of living in a community and sharing people's ice creams and petting their cat, I think is something else he says. And just, he, he emphasizes the humanity, but then that humanity is a bridge to the divinity of God. Yeah. And, and one of the things he said was, was, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm dense. I need it, you know, hand it to me. And he's like, I need a Polaroid picture. And he says that he says, and Catholic church to me is like a Polaroid picture. <laughs> you know, it gives you that, you know, something you could hold in your hand, something you could see and feel. And like he was, he was, I think he was talking more about like the tangibility of the Eucharist and the, yep. and the, and, and yep. the incense and, and, the, and the candles and so he could see it and he could feel it. And he, and he was, you know, big on a traditional Latin mass. So mm -hmm. there's, there, if I'd imagine it's a smaller church and, and, and he's there and he, he you get immersed, um, immersed in it. If you're, if you're, especially if you're close to the altar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It and, is very tangible. Yep. Well, and that's, and so that, that tangibility, that Polaroid picture sense is, is I would attribute to being the biggest reason I became Catholic is kind of, the recognition of the body soul composite and how our matter matters while we're on this earth, which is why we do things like physically make the sign of the cross or kneel, uh, genuflect, you know, when we get uh, into the church or when we sit, stand, kneel, like we worship with our bodies too. And there's this sense that because of the incarnation of Jesus, because God took on flesh and, and dwelt among us, that how we dwell bodily as well as spiritually and in our souls matters. And that, and, and, and the Eucharist is kind of the most obvious kind of yeah. pointing to that being more than just a symbol, whereas most Protestant traditions view it as just a symbol. And so one of the things that drew me was that it's it's literally Jesus. Yeah, it's easier. Yeah, I know that's the big hurdle. Uh, and, you know, like I said, there are plenty of apologists that could do a better job uh, about that. But for me, it is it is tangible and mm -hmm. it is it is it is what he says it is. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of the line. You could argue with that um, yeah. and, and, and give shades of, of, of what is means, but uh, it's uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm cattle cr cradle Catholic, so I don't know how. Uh, I don't know what that feels like or what that uh, 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 mental hurdle is to accept. Um, but I think I, I, that's what I really love hearing uh, conversion stories. Um, it's real. What you feel is real. What you think is real. There's nothing mm -hmm. fake about that. There's, it's nothing fake about a journey uh, of seeking truth, of seeking beauty. Um, that's what I love to hear. That's what I, I love to investigate. Um, and if mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I, I, I didn't know you were a convert until I saw the, 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 the bio. So uh, um, thank you very, very much for sharing your uh, conversion story with me. Yeah. And thank you for being curious and, and for investigating. I really am coming more and more convinced that that's just a very good quality for anyone to have. And it makes me think of an instance in Luke chapter two, I think, where the boy Jesus is sitting in the temple and he's sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And then this kind of just healthy curiosity, this posture of humility, investigating the truth of the person. And then, of course, the transcendental truth and goodness and beauty. Yeah. Uh I can't go too deep right now. I'm still stuck on cartoons and, and cars in my brain. Uh, 
yeah, I, I love that you're able to uh, transition all that all together, put them all together and layer it up in, in a very concise way. Um, I'm very thankful. So um, what, what, where I think um, what I don't know what to do as far as like try to promote your website any more than I think you're already doing. I hope that um, people can find a way to at least think of those things. Cause that's, again, that's what I'm trying to do with the podcast is think of the things that you see and even the things that you experience mm -hmm. and, 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 and take it another step deeper um, to find something that really matters. Um, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't even have a word for that. Um, yeah. I, I was trying, I'm <laughs> I was going back and forth with my wife and, and I, I was trying to say meaning mining, uh, <laughs> but it's not like mining, like ore or digging. Uh, mm. I, I don't know what the word is. Even like in my searches with, uh, like I, I do some, this, uh, the psychology searches for what goes on in your mind when you're searching for that existential meaning in a good way, uh, in, in that there's no word for what you're doing other than search for meaning. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. yeah. yes. But whatever it is, it makes life more exciting. And that's kind of, why I like doing it is it makes my life more full, more exciting when I, when I look for that deeper meaning that you're talking about. Yeah. 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 And I think, well, I guess I could go from there, I guess, back to God. You say like this, like this yearning that we have. And again, um, it, it is only being recycled back up to God. So God put it there. Um, I, I used in one of my, uh, clips, of. Uh, from Instagram is you use the uh, St. Augustine quote that I didn't think that, that I had, I don't think I've heard. Um, but the one that I used was, uh, you know, Lord, we're restless and our hearts are restless until we rest in thee. And I was trying to say that our, our, our minds are restless. Mm -hmm. Our hearts are restless uh, because we're looking for meaning. And I think until someone says, that meaning or that restlessness that you have, almost that anxiety that you have, almost even depression that you have, is because there's something there that you're not listening to. Like you said, it's an aching. It's an aching if it's a good thing that you experience. You experience good, good aches, right? Good, right. something's pulling at your heart. Mm. Um, but there's also the other, which is like the vacuum of that, the absence of that, that people feel and they don't know what it is. And so it, they turn to, you know, they turn to the the easy way out, the distractions, the 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 addictions that they that they pulled that 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 the world pulls them because it's a vacuum, and and that vacuum gets filled with something. Um, if I were to use a, a, a Bible <laughs> scripture, is where um, you know the there's the demons have the Jesus exercises demons out of this person, and and the soul is clean, and then there it's a, it's empty, it's clean, it's like a well kept house. I don't know the verse yep. as well. So it, it's a well-kept house. And then, you know, there's seven more come back because it's an empty house. And if you don't feel that empty house of, so you could take out the sin or the, what was, I guess, taking the priority of whatever that is, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, if it's, mm -hmm. if it's money, money or, or, or an addiction, you take that away and you're left with a vacuum. And if that vacuum isn't filled with something good, um, you're going to put something bad or something bad is going to find its way in. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, whether it's your, if, whether it's in a, in a secular way of saying, you know, your mind is going to focus on something that is not healthy. If you yep. don't find something 
meaningful. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know how to f- really articulate or find that difference between what's meaningful and what's godly, other than I know that God is so so supremely meaningful. Right. Um, again, again, if, if maybe other people could look at there and say, "Look, um, these things that these people have been saying for two thousand years is it, there's there's a point to it." So, uh, if I could do the the, the I guess breadcrumbs um, using the little bit that I'd know how to use. Um, that's what I hope, I hope other people will listen and I hope other people will, will also share those breadcrumbs with others say, look, there's more to life than the sad things that you are holding up as valuable. Exactly. Exactly. And even some of the best things in life are, are not actually going to ultimately satisfy us. And I think of when you were sharing those last couple of minutes, I was thinking of the C.S. Lewis quote. I really like yeah. this, where he says, you know, if we're looking and looking and finding that nothing on this earth will satisfy us, then the most probable explanation is that we're made for something other than this earth. And so even the most fulfilling things and, and the kind of the worst things, of course, are not going to leave us satisfied. And so what does that tell us about our existence that we're made for some other higher homeland? Perfect. Perfect. I saw that you <laughs> just in closing, I saw that you uh, uh, did an article on the. Uh, the Maverick, the new, um, the new movie. Did you so do that good. article? So good. I did. I did. Have you seen that? No, I haven't seen it. It it's cracked my top five favorite movies, I think. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll definitely take the time. Um, is there anything else? And I'll, like I'll watch Luca. <laughs> yeah. It, you can't watch it once you gotta watch it like 10 times and you're like oh there's all these little layers <laughs> anyways right. um is there anything else you'd like to add in closing about your about the website or what you're working on um no we're just, i mean i think we're trying to launch a podcast in the next couple months but um yeah just to check us out on instagram at and more than entertained and the website and um just for anyone who's listening to, to think the way that you're thinking, that you're encouraging them to think and to engage the world in the way that you're encouraging them to engage the world, to find meaning in everywhere they look. Yes. And, and I love that you use, uh, uh, you know, Dostoevsky and uh, Gusto. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's Catholic, man. That's what I use in my uh, 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 intro is uh, the both and. Um, it's there's no sense in, in just 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 mash it all together and there's something beautiful and good and true about it that's that's godly stuff mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. And, yeah I wish you and the website and and if your podcast all the best and and thank you so much again for agreeing to allow us to have this conversation yeah Gabriel thanks so much for having me all right you have a good night all right bye bye